Um, Pastor Frank asked us to go ahead and get started. He's got a couple things that he's working on. He'll be right back in. Um, we're going to lift the Lord up in praise together. Isn't it great that we have the freedom to lift our Savior up together in praise? And, uh, this is a great song because uh, it reminds us that each one of us goes through trials. Each one of us has things going on in our lives that are, are difficult. And uh, we need to just stand together and uh, take it to, to Christ because Christ already won the battle for us. And we can live in victory. And uh, this is a great song about that. So let's lift the Lord up together in praise. We're going to sing all the people said amen.
Praise the Lord. That's better than once every month. <laughs> Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I come before you this morning. I thank you. We've had a great Sunday school class this morning. Uh, we've just had a great time of fellowship already today, and I look forward to what you're going to do here in this place today. So God, just continue to pour out your blessings upon us. Be with those that couldn't be here, Lord. we got a couple that got out of the hospitals this week that couldn't be here. I just pray that you be with them. Be with Brother Roy this morning, Lord, as I know he wants to be here. And it, 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 physical body's just not cooperating. Just be with that family there. and just God, we give you all praise, honor, and glory for all that you've already done and what you're going to continue to do. Bless these folks behind me who are singing with us for us today, leading us in song. God, may everything we do here, whether it's a handshake, a hug, a song, everything, may we be able to leave here today knowing that we have been in your presence and giving you glory. May it be a testimony of your grace as we go forth, proclaiming that it is good to be in your house this day. Look down upon us, pour out your spirit upon us. <coughs> Father, may thy will be done. And Lord, if there is one here today that is not accepted you, whether they've been in church their whole life or this is their first day, may this be the time that they make that decision. May they choose life over death. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. It's good seeing everybody this morning that was able to be here. And I look forward to what God's going to do in our, our in our service today. So walk around a second, shake somebody's hand, give them a hug, and just tell them it's Come good give me to a see hug, them in Jesus. God's house today. Give me a hug.
Yeah, I know it. That's that's good, though. That's good. Brother Ted, good to see you back there this morning. I've been praying for you, brother. Good to see you. Amen. So just a couple announcements today. I sound weird. Do I sound weird? Sounds weird to me for some reason. I always sound weird. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. I needed that vote of encouragement as I get started this morning in front of all you ugly fa- I mean, no. <laughs> Just kidding. My head shiny. All right. Praise the Lord. Just a couple announcements, one of which I'm sure you may be questioning. I had said that we were going to have a staff meeting this past week, and we did not. So that means it got bumped till tomorrow evening. So I would like to encourage you guys to, um, if, my staff, if you can, plan on being here 7 o'clock tomorrow evening. That way we can start getting prepared for, make sure everything's in order for our Easter service and things of that nature. Uh, I did talk to Chris a little bit, and he hasn't said y'all guys had not planned anything for the, earth, the sunrise service yet. But we have sunrise services at 7 on Easter morning. So I want to encourage you to, to come for sunrise service. And I haven't got with the men yet, but however, I'll be getting with the guys to make sure we have our pancake breakfast and everything going on as well. None of the details have been worked out. Yet, I'm pretty sure everything will go as planned. I will let you know otherwise if something in the staff meeting changes that. But be planning for Easter. If you, you want to come, if you can be here, we're going to have our 7 o'clock sunrise service, and then we'll have regular services after that, or our pancake breakfast then our regular services. Okay, and the other announcement, let's see, um, Resurrection Retreat Day. The Friday prior to, to Good Friday, it's not a technical lock-in per se, but Julie's going to have all the kids up here at the church, if you want to bring your kids, she's got permission slips and such she's handing out. And this is a day that they're going to spend up here getting ready for Easter, if you will. So if you have little ones that have not already signed up with her or got with her, you could see Miss Julie and let her know that you're coming and get one of those permission slips. That would be greatly appreciated. The other thing I want to say as well, I'm going to try to point this out periodically rather than just once every blue moon, once a year type thing. But if you have prayer requests and prayer concerns, or if you're a visitor and I don't know how to get a hold of you and talk to you about things, that's what this little tear-off on your bulletin, it tears off real simply and easily. So if you could, if you, would, if, you'd like, if you wanted to fill out that information, that way I can get in touch with you if something happens and you all of a sudden you're in the hospital and nobody knows. That way I can go look back and say, I haven't seen brother so-and-so in a couple of weeks, sister so-and-so in a couple of weeks gives me a way of being able to find out, hey, they're in the hospital. You need to go and visit. You need to go and pray for them or add them to the prayer list. So if you want to fill that out or if you have a prayer request, you can put it on the back. Just drop it into prayer and offering columns. And two, if you do not want it on the prayer list for everyone, it's just for me and the elders or it maybe just for me to see and pray over, write that on there. And, and the stewards that take up our tithes and offerings out of there as well, well they are real good about folding that in half and just coming and putting it right in my pocket. That, that way, it's still getting prayed. You're getting that prayer that you need. So the columns, prayer and offering columns, uh, are front and back. The tithing columns, front and back, same columns. Just drop your tithes in there, your prayer requests in there, and that way we can kind of keep touch and track and pray for one another. Amen?
Okay, I think that's all the announcements. Oh, one more. Uh, the Hanner Baby Shower is next Saturday at 1 o'clock at the Fellowship Hall. And they, pardon? Oh, it's Sunday. I'm sorry. And you think I'm going to be done at 1? <laughs> okay, Sunday. Sorry, I thought it was Saturday. Next Sunday at 1 o'clock. And he said to announce it that everyone was invited that wanted to come to the baby shower. Now, I don't know why it takes so many people to wash a baby. But, you know, maybe it's really dirty. I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, Brother John. Where, oh, there he is, Brother John. You're, you're up, brother. <clears throat> Amen. Father God, I just lift up my brother to you right now and just ask in the name of Jesus that you will touch him from on high and may, may he feel a peace, a heavenly anointing and a heavenly peace of knowing that he's coming not out of, uh, out of uh, trying to get a feather in his hat, but truly wanting to be what you've called him to be out of obedience. May we hear you through him, and may you bless his family for his willingness. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless the Lord. You know, there's a great old hymn that says, uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. And um, I think it's definitely true that sometimes we take for granted what a friend he is. And uh, if you talk sometimes to, like, say that there's a young lady who maybe was... um, we called it going steady back in the day. The going steady with someone, and then they break up. Sometimes you'll hear the ladies say, when they ask her, well, why did you break up with him? And she'll say, well, I just didn't know whose hand I was holding on to. And um, I think with Jesus, it's even that much more powerful. Sometimes we, don't, we fail to realize who's, who's got us by the hand and how powerful and mighty he is and how he's already overcome the world and overcome every obstacle that we're going to face. And through him, we have victory and uh, this song says, Jesus, hold my hand. And uh, as long as we, uh, we're holding on to Jesus' hand, we know we're on steady footing, solid ground. So let's lift, uh, lift him up together in song. Jesus, hold my hand. This is a great, great hymn. And if you ladies would like to sing the ladies' part, Shaney will be leading you in that. Go, Shaney. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> As I travel through this pilgrim land, there is a friend who walks with me and leads me safely through the sinking sand. It is the Christ of Calvary. This would be my prayer, dear Lord, each day to help me to the best I can. For I need my life to guide me day and night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
seek you in your righteousness, find you in your holiness. Come and take me, Lord, that I could learn to trust you in every way to love you. Strip away all that remains for glory in your name until there's nothing left of me. Burn the kingdoms I have Shining I would fade Till there's nothing left of me Strip away all that remains For glory in your name Till there's nothing left of me Burn the kingdoms I have made you a Shining I would fade Till there's nothing left of me Love, I 
temptation comes my way. And I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. God's house this morning. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles today, turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 this morning. Acts 13 42. If you're there this morning, say hallelujah. Okay, one's there. Acts 13. They'll have it up on the wall here if you're having trouble getting to it. Acts 13, starting in verse 42. A passage of Scripture that I think we should be somewhat familiar with, but maybe we didn't realize some of the aspects within this passage of Scripture that I felt as though the Lord laid on my heart to share with you guys this morning. And I'm not exactly sure if I've ever even preached before on the thought of jealousy. But listen to that as we think. And as we read and let the Spirit speak to us through this passage. So in Acts 13, starting in verse 42. As they were leaving, they begged that these matters be presented to them the following Sabbath. After the synagogue had been dismissed, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who were speaking with them and persuading them to continue in the grace of God. However, the following Sabbath, almost the whole town assembled to hear the message of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, remember these are the same self-Jews that just wanted them to come back and preach, but now all of a sudden the Jews see the crowds. And what does it say there? But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to oppose what Paul was saying by insulting him. And I love the King James and other translations to the point of blasphemy is how far they went with this. So they, they, they looked at, at him and, 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 and was bringing this stuff and it says they were filled with jealousy and began to oppose what Paul was saying by insulting him. Then Paul and Barnabas boldly said it was necessary that God's message be spoken to you first. 
But since you reject it and consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have appointed you as a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and glorified the message of the Lord, and all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. So the message of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the religious women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their district. That's an incredible story there. There's a a quote by Benjamin Franklin. It says, it is the eyes of other people that ruin us. If all were stricken blind but myself, I would neither want a fine house nor fine furniture. In other words, what Benjamin Franklin was saying at the time is if they don't have eyes to see what I have or do not have that is better or does, is not better than there are, than each other's, then we won't want to compete with one another. We get jealous very easily at times, I think. We're jealous of different things. We're jealous of different people. There's a fable of an eagle. And this eagle is, is flying around. And he finds that there's another eagle that flies a little bit faster. And he, he doesn't like the fact that this one eagle can outfly him. And one day he comes across a sportsman. And he tells this sportsman, I want you to shoot that eagle out of the sky. And the sportsman looks at him and says, but he's flying high and he's flying fast. I don't know if I can shoot him out of the sky. I don't think my arrows can, get, can, can go that fast, can go that rapidly. So the eagle looks at him and says, well, here, take mine. And he starts pulling arrows, I mean, excuse me, starts pulling feathers out of his wings to give them to the, the sportsman. He says, okay, now you have this good fletching. Put this on your arrows and, and shoot that eagle out of the sky. Well, the, the, the sportsman goes, he goes and he shoots, but it's not quite high enough. It doesn't get going fast enough, and he misses that eagle. So the, the, the second eagle, the one that does it, the, the jealous eagle, he starts pulling out all his feathers and says, okay, take these feathers out of my wings, and I want you to make the best arrow you can and have multiple tries to shoot that eagle out of the sky. Well, the, he can't fly anymore because he doesn't have any wings, and the sportsman looks at him and says, why would I waste all my arrows on that one when I can have this one? And he shoots the eagle right there. I share that fable for this reason. I think oftentimes we get so jealous that we hurt ourselves more than anything else. Jealousy destroys the person who is jealous, not the one that we're jealous of. Jealousy will tend to wreak havoc in our lives because we'll start doing whatever it takes to hurt the other one rather than trying to rejoice with the other one for being able to fly faster, to have the gifts that God has given them. And we'll tear apart ourselves in this this act of jealousy. The quote that Benjamin Franklin presented there, I think, has a flaw. Yes, if we is because we see what other people have that we we tend to get jealous of things. But I'm afraid that that's just dealing with the symptoms. When we say, "Well, I wish everyone could be struck and blind, but myself," then there would be no jealousy. Jealousy is more than just what we can see. I think it's a it's a heart issue. What we can see is a symptom of a heart condition that needs to be changed. We need to look into ourselves and change those jealous inclinations. Get rid of them. Give them put them over to the Lord. The root cause isn't the, the, the superficial symptoms. It's who we are on the inside, whether or not we are jealous. 
Why do you suppose, I, I would ask, why are so many people allowing jealousy to hinder their relationships, allowing jealousy to, to hinder their spiritual growth in the ministry? Why do so many people worry about what everyone else is doing rather than just looking to the Lord and saying, God, what would you have me to do? The Jews were infuriated with Paul and Barnabas here. They loved them the, the Sabbath before, but now that because their preaching was getting out there, their blessings was available to all the Gentiles as well, they said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We loved it when it was just for us. What do you mean you're going to give it to the Gentiles? What do you mean it's, it's going to be handed over to them? Quickly, the Jews started getting around and whipping up all this, this antagonistic opposition to Paul and Barnabas. They said, we, no, we don't like it no more. It was supposed to be just ours. Dr. Luke says there in, in, in verse 45 that when they saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They, 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 they began contradicting the things that Paul and Barnabas said to the point of blaspheming. Just the weekend before, they were in agreement, saying, oh, please come teach some more. Please continue to study. Please continue to share with us. But now when they see everyone else, their hearts are filled with jealousy. And rather than grow with it themselves, rather than be thankful and rejoicing with the Gentiles for now the gifts that's going to be bestowed upon them, oh, well, I'll just hurt it all. I'll just get rid of every bit of it. The Jews are, 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 were careful to guard their, their own misconceived rights, their privileges and status as being the people of God. They didn't want someone else to be considered people of God. Why would I want to share that? I don't want to share what God's given me. This is mine. And so this resentful suspicion of, of these Gentiles moves in, and, and they're afraid that this new influence is going to come in and, and, and change things. And that enraged the Jewish leadership. It enraged them. Why would I let Gentiles do this? I'm jealous of, of, of their, their joy coming in here. We have our traditions. We have our rights. Folks, we need to be careful as people today. We need to be careful, even as Gentiles today, as, as people of the church, we need to be careful not to fall into this trap of jealousy. It's not about just, okay, only the folks within our walls are going to get to heaven. No. When we start thinking about it's just me or look what God's just given me or, and we start getting jealous of other people's gifts, when we start getting jealous of the blessings that God is bestowing on other churches or other congregations, other denominations, if you will, when we start getting jealous of brother so-and-so across the aisle or sister so-and-so across the street, when we start allowing jealousy to come in, we, we lose perspective. Of the, of the love and truth of God. We start focusing on what we think things should be rather than what God says things should be. And it's at that point, we need to ask the Lord to move in and help us to, to remove these jealous feelings, take this stuff out of us and, and, and let our trust and our, our belief in the Lord's capability of handling the situation take hold. Because when we are envious or when we are jealous of one another, and what we're really saying is, God's made a mistake. Why would God bless them when he could have blessed me? Look how good looking I am. Look how devout I am. Look how well I can pray. We've taken our eyes off the truth of God. We've taken our eyes off the power of God, and we've put them on ourselves. You know, there was two shopkeepers, bitter rivals. They hated each other. And, and, and their stores were right across the street from each other. So anytime a a customer could go in one, the other one would see it. And therefore, when a customer did go in, the, the, the shop owner would make sure to smile and wave. 
across the street to make sure the other guy knows, I got a, I got a customer. And they, they, they were just bitter and angry rivals. As they would just smile and triumph. I got another one. Well, one night an angel appeared to one of these shopkeepers. And the angel comes into the shopkeeper and he says, you know, God has sent his favor. And he said he will give you anything you want. Absolutely anything you ask. Whatever he will give you, you, you desire, he's going to give it to you. But there's this caveat. Whatever you desire, he's going to give twice as much to the shopkeeper across the road. So if you desire to be rich, he will make you incredibly rich. But understand, your competitor is going to be twice as rich. But he'll make you rich. He'll give you all the money you could possibly have. You, 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 you want to be wealthy? He will make you incredibly wealthy. He'll just make your competitor twice as wealthy. You want to be healthy? You want to live longer? You want to, you want to just have a great body forever, it seems like? That, God will bless you with that, but your competitor is going to live twice as long. Whatever you desire, God's going to give to you. Whatever it is, he'll give it to you right now. He's just going to double it for the guy next door. Well, the, the shopkeeper thinks a little bit, and he's, he's frowning, and he's thinking. He's like, I want to be rich. I want to be healthy. I want these things, but gosh, he'll give it to my, my, my competitor across the road too. Finally, he looks back at the angel, and the angel says, so is it to be wealthy? Is it to be healthy? Is it to have great-grandchildren? What is it you desire? He says, strike me blind in one eye. He could have had anything. But out of his jealousy, he'd rather hurt himself than think that he might could take down his competitor across the street. Now, obviously, that's just a story. But how often will we hurt ourselves to try to hurt someone else? How often will we destroy what we have in hand to try to demolish something across the way? But the Jews just, just didn't grab a hold of this. You know, one of the signs of jealousy is when it's easier to, to show sympathy and weep with those who weep than it is to, to rejoice and have joy with someone who's been blessed. To rejoice with someone who's rejoicing. If it, it, it tends to be easy to weep with somebody when they've lost something. But oftentimes it seems we have trouble being joyful when somebody's been blessed. We should be saying, thank you, Jesus, for what the, you've done in their lives. But instead, oftentimes we're like, well, you know, I live right too, God. Where's mine? Or why should I be struck with an illness when those evil people across the street, they're good and healthy, Lord. That's not fair. I'm jealous. Folks, when we see someone who's been blessed, praise God, we should give glory where glory is due. And that was God. For when I start saying, well, why didn't it happen to me? I'm accusing God. You made a mistake. You messed up, God. When I start becoming when I start becoming jealous of what others are saying and what others are doing, when it's easier for me to weep with someone rather than rejoice with them, I better stop. I better stop and look to the Lord and say, "Father, forgive me." The Jews failed to realize this blessing. This gift that's being poured out upon the Gentiles. They should have been rejoicing with them. They should have been able to get up and, and hold up their Bible and say, wow, well, you know, we thought it was just going to be us get to spend eternity with God. But now all you guys get to come too. How, what a blessing for you guys. But no, instead, well, no, we don't want to share God with you. Who do you think you are? This is my God. 
You can almost picture a little corporate lit two-year-old fit going on here. But that's us. How many times do we pitch that same kind of fit? Because it's not fair, Lord. Why should they get these blessings? The Jews were looking up and said, well, well, we'll even take it to the point of blasphemy. How sad it is. What a sad testimony of the Jews there where Paul and Barnabas were at to know that they, they, were, they wanted the word. They heard what he was saying was true to the point they said, please come back next Sabbath. But when it was going to be offered to the Gentiles as well, nope, don't want anything to do with it. They liked the way things were. They were stuck in the way it was. They didn't realize growing in Christ means sometimes changing to improve his church. Never changing his word. But he never told us to get stuck in the same old ruts, same old pathways. The Jewish leaders didn't recognize the synagogues wasn't big enough to house everyone. Jesus said, whomsoever, whomsoever believes shall not perish. The synagogues wasn't big enough to carry whomsoever, but the Jews couldn't grasp that. No, it's just us. Jesus said, no, it's for everyone. Whomsoever believes in their heart that I am the Son of God, been resurrected from the dead, and professes that with their mouth, so shall they be saved. The Jews didn't like that. That's what Paul and Barnabas was preaching. They were liking it until everyone starts hearing it, until Paul says, yes, the Gentiles are going to get it. The religious leaders, they didn't want these outsiders coming into their midst. They wanted to keep their walls just like they were. They had grown comfortable with the status quo. It's all about me and mine. It's not fair. We've been keeping the traditions. We've been living right. We've been doing, eating this and eating that. You, you know, we've been doing all the hard stuff. Why should they be blessed? When we start putting forth comments like that, we need to realize We're trying to take control from God and put it into our own hands. And we need to ask God to move in our lives to to overcome any resistance to that change for growth. God, forgive me. Wash me. Let me realize. We need to pray that daily, Lord, that that you are in control of everything. The non-Christian life and the Christian life. That family across the street that does not go to church and mine that does. Why is it that that family gets this and mine does not, Lord? I'm in your house. It is not for me to question. It is for me to look to the Lord. God, what would you have me to do? And I rejoice that you could do such a great thing in the lives of those people. Rather than the old poor me thing. You know, for many years, Sir Walter Scott was the leading literary figure in England. Incredible writer. If you've never read any of his, his, his writings, most of his poems, but if you haven't read a lot of his writings, he was an incredible writer. He was, he was world-renowned. He, they, they, he was great. Everybody just thought, he is the best. Well, one day, this new writer comes on the scene. His name was Lord Byron. Well, Lord Byron what, 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 was... It was seen pretty quickly that he was an incredible writer as well. And he was putting out these poems and these stories and people were just looking at all this stuff. Well, then an anonymous critic wrote, a, wrote a, a critique of his writing into the London Times. And it talked about how incredibly brilliant he was, Lord Byron. How smart he was. How his writing was just to the point. And he even said in that critique that in the, with this accomplishments, with the writings that he's put forth, that it's obvious that Sir Walter Scott is not the greatest anymore. Lord Byron's going to take over that mantle. 
Now you might say, well, that was a harsh thing to say. Well, it comes out a little later. You know who the critic was? It was Sir Walter Scott himself. He humbled himself and realized, this kid can write. Now he could have said, oh, poor me. He could have tried to hold on to things. He could have, tried to, he could have gotten jealous about things. But instead he humbled himself and said what everybody else was afraid to say. He was telling the world, it's okay. I'm not here to always be the greatest. This kid is good. He deserves the credits that's been given to him. He deserves to be honored for the gifts that God has given him. Folks, that's the way we should be. When we see people that are being blessed by God, we shouldn't dirty up Christ's name by acting jealous and pitching a fit. We should go and shake their hand and say that God has blessed you. Well, I don't believe in the Lord. Whether you believe in him or not does not matter. You have been blessed by God and praise God for you. Well, I have these things and you don't have them. You know what? I can't explain everything, but praise God for what he's given you. That's when we're mature in Christ. Jealousy is not maturity. Some people think that jealousy is what makes a relationship stronger. It's, what, it's, it's absolutely diametrically opposed to what makes a relationship stronger. Jealousy destroys a relationship, both physically and spiritually. When I get jealous about others being blessed by God and start pitching a fit and they look at me and they say, wow, you go to church, you you read your Bible, you do these things, and now you're being hateful and ugly just because God blessed me with a new car? Why would I want to be a, a part of the God that you serve? You've destroyed not only your relationship with God, but maybe even made it to where they never will have one. Now, I hope I'm preaching to the choir and this doesn't affect anyone, but I have a feeling we all can relate in one fashion or another. Jealousy destroys. Jealousy is what threw out the teachings here in in our passage of Scripture here today. Now, let me say this too. We, We need to step back and give glory where glory is due, where God blesses. But there is a distinction I want to make sure we understand too. Between jealousy... And envy, and I'm saying that because I keep almost crossing the two in my vernacular up here this morning. There is a difference between jealousy and envy. Envy is the one something which belongs to another person. Thou shalt not covet, covet thy neighbor's wife. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's ox, his donkey, his car, his job, whatever. Envy is, is coveting other people's things. In contrast, jealousy is, is I have a fear that something I possess is going to be taken away from by another person. It's something I already own, but I'm going to guard it. I'm afraid that, that everybody's out to get it. When it comes to our spiritual life, folks, God isn't here just for you. Praise God, he came for each one of us. But he came for each one of us, not just me. And although jealousy can apply to our jobs and and to our relationships, we we are afraid that the the affections of someone can come in and and take our loved one. Well, they may be cuter, they may be smarter, they may be uh, stronger, they may be this, be that, so we have this kind of jealousy. That destroys that physical relationship. But what I'm speaking of this morning is we are afraid sometimes that if, if God saves that person, what's it going to do to the church? Let me tell you what it's going to do. If God saves that person, it grows the church and the angels in heaven rejoice. 
We are not to be jealously holding on to God and not sharing who he is. The Jews were afraid that that these Gentiles were going to come in and somehow steal God from them. They were going to woo him away, if you will. Woo God away from who he said he would be. Folks, we can't change God. God is everlasting to everlasting. And if he said that whomsoever believes shall be saved, then he means whomsoever believes shall be saved. These Jews, they were so worked up that they started concentrating not on what they had in agreement with Paul and Barnabas, not in what they had in agreement with God. They got so worked up, they just stood on the opposing viewpoints. They just started saying about all the negative stuff. They started basing their life on negative things to the point that the Bible says that they were, they were blaspheming. They were insulting Paul and Barnabas. They were going against the very beliefs they had been attaining to just because they didn't want to admit that they were right. They committed themselves to opposing the teachings of Paul and Barnabas to the point that that the people around was looking at them. Wow, you're really saying that? That, That's blasphemy. There should be a lesson there. We need to be careful, folks, not to, to overreact in situations, not to allow our jealousy to cause us to do things that makes us focus on just the negatives rather than the positives. Every situation... If that unsaved family is blessed and won a million dollars across the street, don't focus on the negative aspects of that family. Focus on the fact that maybe you can make a difference in in their lives and share Christ with them, and who knows, they might accept Christ, and that millions is going to be used to further the kingdom of God far greater than anything we could have done. When we focus on the positives rather than the negatives, but if we focus on our jealousy, the positives aren't going to come out. When we live our life jealous of one another, jealous of our spouse, jealous of brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, jealous of the church down the street, sure, I would love to have a, a church that's big and got lots of eye candy. But you know what? That comes with its tolls as well. I'd rather take what God has given us and say, Lord, what would you have me to do with it? We need to concentrate more on His goals rather than what I do not like. There's a lot of beautiful crystal cathedrals out there. Billion dollar buildings. And Christ is standing on the outside knocking to come in. I'd rather be in a tent with the Lord than in a crystal cathedral with the best speaker there ever was. Well, no, the best speaker ever was would be Christ, but the next best or something. We need to get rid of our jealousy. Get rid of that, that, that ugliness within us that, that tends to go out there. The Jews hated the fact that these guys were exposed. Basically, they were being exposed. They, the, Paul and Barnabas looked at them and said, you know what? God told us to come to you first, and you chose not to listen. You chose to say that it couldn't be done. You chose to put God in a box. Therefore, as it was written, I, we are to take the gospel to the Gentiles. You know, I think another reason why we act the way we do when we're jer- when we're jealous, spiritual surgery can be painful. When things are brought out into the open, we don't like it. And it causes people to say and do things they normally wouldn't do. I've had folks get upset in sermons and, and, and sometimes think I'm preaching at them like I knew something about them and really they're tattling on themselves when they tell me. I just preach what the Lord lays on my heart to preach and if it touches you, that's the Lord, it's not me. But people get angry and they'll say things and do things because it did hurt. 
It did cut a little deep. You got a little too close there, Pastor. It's not me, it's the Spirit of God. And I think sometimes when we go through those spiritual surgeries where God is, is cutting off the inadequacies, cutting off the imperfections, molding us back into what He called us to be, when He's refining us into that more pure fashion of a gold, that he desires us to be, it can hurt at times. And rather than just trust that he's doing what he knows to be right, we scream and we cry. We take a child into the, to the doctor, we, ex, we, we know that it's going to hurt what this doctor has to do, but the child doesn't understand as of yet, and he's crying. And he's, he's, he, I'll never forget when I took Cameron in for his appendix, and, and, and they're hitting him on his foot, and he's hurting so bad, and he looked at me and said, Daddy, please make him stop. Everything in me, I had to walk outside. Everything in me as a father wanted to just grab that guy by his neck. What the heck do you think you're doing? But I also knew as an adult, you know better than I do what needs to be done. And all I could say was, Cameron, I'm sorry, son. This is the way it has to be. I knew because I was more mature than his five-year-old self that this appendix had to come out, that there had to be surgery needed to be done. He didn't understand. He just felt the hurt. As Christians, we should grow and become mature enough to understand that when that spiritual surgery is taking place, not to get jealous and ugly and say hateful things. That's that five-year-old. That's that milk toast Christian. I need to stand up and say, yes, Lord, I have been guilty. Forgive me that jealousy and give me the strength to walk across the street and praise you for what you've done in their life. Let me go and be able to rejoice with them for the blessings you've given them. Let me go and be able to glorify your name into what's going on back there in, in that street. We need to go to the Lord, I think, and, and, and confess our tendency towards jealousy and say, Father, forgive me. You're in control. It is yours and yours alone. Cleanse me. Cleanse me of my jealousy. Cleanse me of my envy. We should on a daily basis go before the Lord and say, God, I pray that you'll set me on a course that directs me to be able to to exude your love, your truth, so that when others are blessed, I can quickly say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in their life. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're blessing them with your word for. Thank you, God, for who you are. If we become that person that that gets angry about the change, if we start persecuting and getting jealous because God is changing things up a little bit, we need to look to the Lord. Jealousy creates a destructive behavior. People, New people come in and say, well, I want to do this, I want to do that. Let's, let, let's paint, or let's, let's, let, let, I want to teach this Sunday school class. If it's scriptural and God's moving them to do so, who are we to say, no, that's the way we've always done it. We're going to stay like this. When we get jealous of our traditions and and things being touched by change, it's jealousy. Well, this is the way it was always done. The Jews liked the way Paul and Barnabas was teaching when it was just them. It says, in fact, and and understand this too, sometimes even the, the greatest people can get pulled into this trap. 
If you notice, when they got jealous, it says they went out into the highways and byways and got the important people. The, the, they, they were re- able to reach out there. It says the important people of the day, the, 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 the high-minded women and the, the, the men that were business leaders, gathered them up, and, and, and they all rode this wave of jealous retribution, coming in and saying, oh, we're going to destroy, destroy, destroy. Because they fell into that trap. It says they aroused the devout of the city. Even Christians can fall into jealousy. Don't think that jealousy is just something out in the world. And sometimes it's Christians that's been blessed incredibly, but they've gotten so used to their status quo, they get jealous rather than accepting what God's doing next. And, and, And they just stop. You know, Samuel Beckett, an Irish novelist and playwright, he was he, an incredible writer. He received great recognition. But not everyone was encouraged by his writing. Not everyone appreciated the accolades that he was getting. In fact, his marriage was very soured by his wife's jealousy. She did not like the fact that he was getting all these accolades. She did not like the fact that he was getting honored in the newspaper. She didn't like the fact that he could write so well, and she was getting angry about it. Well, one day, 1969 the phone rang and he relays the story that she picked up the phone and he heard her saying a little bit and 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 she stopped and listened for just a briefly and then she hung up the phone and she turned and, and looked at him and said what a catastrophe now you would think she lost a loved one something happened some devastating personal tragedy no he just would have been awarded the nobel prize for literature And she turned to him and said, what a catastrophe. She was so jealous of her husband's recognition, so jealous of his writing, that when he won the Nobel Prize for Literature, her heart was already hardened. How many people today, and I wish I could tell you I've never heard it. I wish I could tell you this was a hypothetical situation, but it's not. I have heard people say, how could God save somebody like that? Rather than say, wow, no matter what the condition you're in, God saved you, brother. Praise God. We should rejoice when a soul comes to know the Lord. I don't care how bad the world says they are. When a man or a woman truly turns their heart to Christ, we shouldn't say, what a catastrophe. We should say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for showing me your incredible majesty and your power and your grace. You know, one of the great things I always loved about Mark, Brother Mark Collins down in Yorktown, when when he was associate pastor here, or when we'd go hunting and things. You know what one of the things a major tenet of Brother Mark's is? Especially if we were hunting. One of his favorite sayings is, I'm praying that the Lord just lets me harvest an incredibly large deer. But I pray yours is bigger. And he meant it. You know why? Because he'd rather see you be blessed than himself. His heart meant it, that he'd rather see others, what God's going to do in the life of others. And in turn, you know what happens? God's blessed his. That was one of the great things when I first met Mark was, one, he's soft-spoken and can speak so eloquently. I'm more of the, the rude guy. But the fact that his heart was truly humble towards everyone else and wanted the blessings to be upon them. And I thought, wow, 
I want that trait. And you know what I figured out over the years? It wasn't Mark. It was the Holy Spirit in Mark. And I would say this morning that the Holy Spirit that lives and resides within you, that lives and resides within me, is a Holy Spirit that wants to rejoice when others rejoice. That wants to rejoice when others have been blessed. That doesn't want to sit in jealousy and say, oh, poor me, but sit in the trust of the Heavenly Father and say, God, you know what's best. You know what's going on. You know where we are. So the question this morning is this. And this is between you and the Lord. Only you can truly answer it. Do you truly rejoice when others are blessed? Or do you put on a smile and inside saying, but that's not fair. If that is you this morning, which everyone, if you are one who truly rejoices when others rejoice, put your hands to the Lord and just say, thank you, Jesus. Continue to move in my life and help me to stay and maintain this level of maturity in you. If you are that one, though, that sits back there and says, it's not fair. It's just not fair. Now I would ask you this morning, take that to the Lord and say, God, take away any of the jealousy, any of the envy, any of the covetousness, and fill me with your grace, with your spirit. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it doesn't make sense to you not to be jealous. I was talking to someone a couple weeks ago, and, and, and it was a, a relational thing amongst a couple of teenagers, and she was very upset about how jealous her boyfriend was about everything. I said, does he know the Lord? She said, no. I said, then he has no peace. And if you have no peace, you're going to be worried about everything. You're going to be thinking that everybody's out to get you and everybody's going to steal everything you have. That's one of the reasons why God says do not allow yourselves to become unequally yoked. Because if you're both focusing on Christ, that relationship makes it a whole lot easier through the hard times. And the good times, actually. If you don't know Christ, I can't expect you to understand what I'm saying when I say that jealousy does not have to be a part of your vernacular, part of your being, of your conversation. That if you will truly accept him today, that he that is greater than all things will move into your life. Because here's the deal. I don't have to be jealous of anything anyone has. Because the greatest thing that could ever be given, I already own. And not only do I own it, no one can take it from me. For God said that nothing can pluck it from the Father's hand. I have been given the salvation of Jesus Christ and not nothing, not even Satan himself, can pluck that out of the Father's hand. So no matter you get a new car, you get a new house, you get a million dollars, praise God. Now you could take me on a hunting trip if you get that million dollars. I won't mind. But I won't be envious. I won't be jealous. Let me say that, jealous. I might envy for a little bit because I'm still immature in areas. But for the most part, you know what I'll do quickly? Say, thank you, God, for what you're doing for them. And I pray that they will look to you and use it wisely. Where are you this morning? If you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, 
He's offering that same gift to you that he's given me. And unlike the Jews of the story that we just read in Acts 14, I will rejoice if you accept him today. If you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, that's where you need to be first. If you do know him as your Lord and Savior today, then ask him that question. Lord, do I rejoice when others rejoice? Or do I get jealous and envious? And then listen to what he has to say. Listen to what he has to say. This altar will be open. You can pray right where you're at. You can grab a brother or sister across an aisle. But let's not leave here today till we've dealt with this thing. Give it to the Lord today. If that's you that has trouble rejoicing when others are blessed, give it to God today. Trust him and watch what he can do. Let's all stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. Father God, I come before you again right now and I I ask in the name of Jesus that you will take that that monster out of us, that jealousy that Satan tries to, to permeate our lives with. May we put that emotion, that that tendency, whatever it is, that we put it fully in your hands today so that you can wash it, cleanse it, and make it whole. God, I thank you that you are Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And it's not about me. I don't have to worry about if things are running right. As long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, the rest is in your hands. Help me to be thankful for what I have and praise you for what others are getting. And may your will be done, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing this morning, if God's speaking to you, I want you to to pray where you're at, come to this altar, but do whatever he asks. Don't leave out of here saying, well, you know, it was a pastor kind of stepped on my toes this morning, but what does he know? You're right, I don't know anything. But I do know Christ. He knows you. Will you listen to him today? As we sing, guys.